so I was um, at this event the other day and, you know, I was uh, working with the radio station and we were giving stuff away and, you know, we got to be, we have a lot of rules. We got to follow when we do these giveaways, right? You know what I mean? You can't, no cheating, can't, you, you know, can't play favorites. Everything has to be equal. Uh, family members, direct family can't even play to win. Uh, but it just so happened there was this guy there. Uh, he went to NIU. Uh, I went to NIU, NIU alum, Northern Illinois, go Huskies. But he went to NIU like 20 years before I went to NIU. And, uh, but just cause he went to NIU, uh, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to bend all the rules. And I'm, uh, and I just gave him, I gave him, uh, one of the uh, pair of headphones we were giving away, uh, beast by Dre pretty sweet. And, uh, and you know, I just think it's, it's okay. It sounds to do. remarkingly, remarkingly similar to an incident. Yeah, that I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's okay. As long as you went to, uh, the same school. Yeah, unless you, if you, unless you share an alma mater. Yeah, if now if, if if him and this guy and I were classmates, unacceptable. But because there's you know a twenty year difference, I thought that was chill. That was the appropriate thing to do. And definitely, if he would have wanted an autograph from me as a local radio host, I would have absolutely said no, and that's very inappropriate. Oh, you absolutely shut that down. No question. But prizes and things, or you know, golf lessons, whatever it may be, that's totally fair. A hundred percent. Yeah, totally Mike fair, Evans. Totally my, uh, my, Mike Evans and the refs. Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. I feel such, bad for Mike Evans. Well, I know he, he was. Like, that's he, an awkward situation. And and weird, what is Mike Evans supposed to do? Like, no, dude, you're a ref. Like, I he I, he's not going to get in trouble, and he shouldn't. But no, no, that's wild. Well, they're they're saying now. So, like, a real quick recap for those who didn't um, see what happened. Uh, Mike Evans. There was a someone filming in the tunnel after the Tampa Bay Bucks game. And the refs were running after Mike Evans, ap- uh, appearing to be asking for his autograph. They grabbed and the paper, stopping and- him and grabbing him paper and and having him sign it. Obviously, that's like against the league rules. Can't Dude, have, no, you no. know, like big time. It's a, it's a big no no. Um, and the league apparently investigated and said exactly what you were talking about was that the the ref was saying no no no. I was getting his phone number yeah. because uh, I was, I'm giving it to a um, guy who also went to Texas A&M who teaches And the ref golf. was an alum. Yeah. So yeah. He, yeah and Texas the ref A&M. was an alum and he's like, I know a good golf coach and you want to improve your golf game. So I like, what a bizarre, you know, I've seen a lot of people, honestly, oh. who knows, like, that, that could be a, true. That could be what it happened. Could be, but it's a bad but, look. The ref's got to know better. It's a terrible it's a, look, and it's a very specific your, explanation. Like, yeah. Well, and that's why I think there's there's got almost some truth to it because the only you know whenever you watch the great NFL films and you, you always show like the all the uh, you know these guys are mic'd up they're on the field for hours and hours together, you always do get like sometimes like funny like players talking with refs and things like that, and I it, it's not shocking to me it wouldn't be shocking to me to see this ref. At some point in time, him and Mike Evans have worked games together before. They know they're both Texas A&M guys. You know what I mean? And they chat them up. And listen, guys, try to chat up the refs. You want to get the refs on your side a little bit. You want to warm up. You know, you want to have a good relationship with the refs. It wouldn't shock me if Mike Evans, you know, had said to this guy before, like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, us Aggie guys, ha, ha, ha. You know, what? would you ever go back down to College Station or whatever? And who knows, maybe pregame or during the game, they talked about like, 
you know, uh, you know, like, Hey, do you go, have you ever golfed at this thing? And all Mike Evans had to maybe said was, Oh, I need to get better golf lessons. I need to take some golf lessons. Like it's not unconceivable to me that the ref would then be like, Oh, I should grab Mike after the game and be like, Hey, here's the name of a, of like the golf pro at Texas A&M as a Texas A&M guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. But it is such a, like you as the ref have got to know that's a terrible look. Like if you want to get a hold of Mike Evans in any way, shape or form, you've got to do it off the field through other contacts of like, Hey, we had chatted on the field about so-and-so here's, I'm just wanted to send a, a friendly, you know, text. Here you go. Like, that's totally cool. I'd be totally fine with it, but it's just such a bad look, such a bad look. And uh, you just can't, you with the gambling and the money, you cannot have refs uh, and having uh, bad judgment like that with players. Welcome into the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan as we get ready for our Week 7 recap. It was uh, another fun one. A lot of news. It was a great one. Around. It was a great I, one. It was Monday a great Night one Football for the Bears. It was a great one. That was, that was certainly a performance. Can't wait to get to that one and get your reaction on that because that I'm is – I'm pumped. There, there are like four storylines come out of that just one game. Uh, so there's you can spend a half hour on, on just that one. Uh, but – Let's touch on a couple quick notes, Mark, before we get into our recap, which we do every uh, week, going through every single game. So before we get that out of the way, the huge news of the weekend, uh, really, uh, what was it, Thursday night, I believe? Thursday. Uh, Yeah, during Thursday night football, they announced that Christian McCaffrey had been dealt from the Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers in exchange for a 2023 second, third, and fourth round pick as well as a 2024 fifth-round pick. My opinion, absolute haul for Carolina. So this was, to me, great move for them. And I think it was also really beneficial for the 49ers. Probably gave up a little more than I would want for an, uh, you know, an injury, uh, you know, plagued running back that's already, you know, had a history of that. Obviously, he makes them that much better, that much more of a Super Bowl contender this year, and that's why they did it three picks next year. That's tough. Um, but I really saw this as an overall win-win. Like what was that kind of your reaction when you first saw it? Or did you think there was a clear winner here? I think the context matters for any of these big trades. I go back to how I, how I felt during the Russell Wilson trade, right? What did I say on this show? The context will be whoever wins the trade immediately is the team that gets the players that can help them win now. Cause they're going to, you know, conceivably win more games, right? This, this helps San Francisco, their chances of winning games now. And so they're going to look like the winner right away. But, but yes, absolutely. Carolina, I think this is a, if I'm a Panthers fan and you, you live and work in that country and you cover the Panthers, I have a feeling if I was a Panthers fan and the, and the, the and the vibe I would get is ecstatic. Like, I mean, you hate to lose your franchise player, but you got a ton in return for him. And you now um, have also, I think the, the the thing with the Panthers is you got a lot for Robbie Anderson. You got a lot for Christian McCaffrey. And then you smartly turn down big offers for core other young play, p- pieces. The Panthers have a solid core. A couple piece on defense, uh, uh, more the wide receiver on offense. They turn down deals for them. And that, to me, goes to show you, wait a minute. 
my ownership and my GM are smart about this. They feel like we're not too far away and we have a young core in a very winnable division with a very aggressive owner um, that the most important thing right now is to get the quarterback, right? You got a ton of ammunition to either trade to go get your quarterback or draft your quarterback in this year's next year's draft. And as a coach, you're a, I mean, if you're an Eric B if you're one of the top candidates, how is Carolina not attractive? You can handpick your quarterback. You have a ton of other draft capital. You have a solid young core in a very winnable division with an aggressive, uh, very, very wealthy owner. And so a division that's going to be losing Tom Brady. Very Yeah. Soon. Like I said, it's very winnable division. And so love that for Carolina, even though it stings to lose a franchise player. It does, especially one that you draft uh, that you would hope just should be a hall of famer who retires in that Jersey. Right. But the thing sometimes what's best for the franchise, depending on how guys careers go, I, I I'm looking at it now with the Cleo Mack situation for the bears as much as I would have loved to keep him. And I said, from day one, he should retire a bear hall of famer as a bear. When you're when your franchise needs a reset and needs and it's done so many other things that it got them in a bad position, sometimes it, what you, you just have to pull the trigger on that. Now, on the flip side for the Niners, really quickly, I'll say, um, it's a ton to give up. But the Niners have seen in their own division draft picks don't matter. The Rams have proven draft picks don't matter. Um, getting veteran players to help you win now matters uh, in their situation. Also. They are in a moment right now where they're paying nothing for their quarterback and their future star quarterback, the one they just drafted, they're paying nothing for right now either. So overspending in free agency is something that the Niners can do for this next off season to help fill out their roster because they won't be bringing in. They literally have like no draft picks this year. That's okay. Draft picks aren't going to start on this team. Anyways, you would use them to fill your roster the Niners can go ahead and do that in free agency. They're going to be a destination. Um, it's a they're um, a really great reporter in San Francisco. I heard this from uh, the herd on Colin Coward. I'm going to take it a little off, but I want to get your thoughts on it before we jump into the games. Has floated the idea now that the 49ers should seek before the trade deadline a trade to get Trey Lance somewhere else. There are a lot of quarterback needy teams to, that uh, that are uh, you know kind of falling apart. Would you move Trey Lance to try to recoup some draft capital? You could maybe get a first and like a fourth or a first and a player for Trey Lance or like a second, a third, and a, and a player for a Trey Lance uh, to try to recoup some of that and just say, screw it. This this Christian McCaffrey move is even more apparent that we need to win now and next year. We can't wait for Trey Lance to develop. I thought that's really interesting. San Francisco's got a lot of decisions to make but we do know they're all in and now they're super bowl or bust. And that's why losing to the chiefs and every loss that comes in here out from here on out is going to be killer to that fan base. Because when you go super bowl or bust and you join the bucks, the Packers, the Rams, you see how much those losses add up. And every loss is a front headline uh, piece of a piece of news. So the Niners just thrust themselves in that category. I think they can handle the pressure if they're healthy enough uh, and, and and can get things rolling here in a very muddied and tough NFC West. Yeah. Well, I'll, so I'll touch on the uh, Christian McCaffrey news real quick. And then I'll, I'll uh, speak to, to the Trey Lance. Pretty sure it's Bill Barnwell. I'll look it up as you're talking. Very good. Um, so th yeah, the McCaffrey trade, I think you brought up a good point when you said that draft picks don't matter. 
in their situation because that I think that's a key thing. Draft picks matter a lot in the NFL. They just don't matter much in LA or San Fran or Miami. Yeah. Hot destinations for free agents. It doesn't matter as much. They'll be able to recoup what they miss in the draft picks, supplement that in free agency. Green Bay, not a hot bed for free agents to come by. Charlotte, while a nice area of the uh, country, smaller market, hasn't had much success, doesn't have pedigree, a little bit tougher for them. I think the uh, the way that Scott Fitterer has like built the team in terms of the players they brought in has been largely positive outside of the quarterback positions. The one area that they haven't been able to get right, and that's the hardest one to do. Yeah. Uh, so I and I totally agree with you, Brian Burns, uh, a fundamental piece on the defense. Edge rusher is is a commodity in the NFL, and he's one of the best in the league at it. You keep him, you keep DJ Moore, and uh, and tell your team we're not quitting, and you also tell future uh, free agents that we're we're ready to build something here, uh, and and we're already hitting the ground running as far as that goes. With San Fran, uh, I think McCaffrey fits perfectly. Like this was a great spot for him to go outside of uh, the Rams. Like that, those were the two, right? Those were the two that would have been great fits. The zone run schemes um that really open uh, let him use his athleticism and find the gap and hit the hole and and off and running um so he brings that element to this team that you know what are you going to do with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey line up in the backfield you have no idea what's where where it's going uh there's a lot of opportunities here it only helps Jimmy G I think um in his effectiveness within this offense which was already limited uh, now he can really hone into that even more and be the guy that, you know, took them to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Um, with the Trey Lance thing, I think they're in a very tough position, actually. Because... It is Bill Barnwell, by the way. I just looked it okay. up. ESPN Bill Barnwell saying, hey, think about it. It's just an option now. You can get draft capital for Trey Lance. He still would be thought of as a high commodity through certain circles in the league. Yeah, you could just argue that his his trade value has never been lower than it is right now. True. And that's the tough spot that the 49ers are in because, well, if he still is the dude, then ideally in two years, you know, Christian will still be in the prime. We will be able to like fully compete. And maybe we'll even be able to compete next year with Trey, depending on how quickly he develops and is able to overcome this. It really depends on how confident they are in Trey from what they've seen already. Yes. And that's why his injury this year really sucks because this was the year to figure it out. If he, if you find out he's a stud and then next year he got hurt or he got hurt at the end of this year, you at least, at least know, you know what, what the future holds. Um, you know, Carolina had to get rid of McCaffrey because they're going to waste the prime years of his career. While they are ready, to, they have pieces to win. They're not winning a Super Bowl in the next three years. San Fran is. So I think it did right by Christian in that sense. And, Tough and situation. Carolina, it's an interesting possibility, though, with Trey Lance for sure. Carolina, you're you're right. They got they waited for it was the you know best case scenario for them. McCaffrey was able to come back, prove he was healthy, and be productive. Yeah, yeah. So his trade value went up. Also, the Rams were in a bidding war, and and I and and San Fran knew that. I'll just say I do think it. You're absolutely right. I think it's an interesting question that Bill Barnwell brings up is that the Niners in the in their locker room in in uh, in the front office Lynch. And Shanahan, if they have an honest conversation with themselves and say, over the next three years, we think we can legitimately now win a Super Bowl if we 
if we re-sign Jimmy G and go with Jimmy G with this roster and we are just not sold on Trey Lance, then getting some draft capital for Trey Lance eventually and doing it maybe not in season, but in the offseason or something, it's it's a it's I mean, it's gotta be on the table. Like it's gotta be thought of. But what if, if they're they, confident in, their... in getting <laughs> dealing Trey Lance and then somehow acquiring Mac Jones, which we'll get to because we know how yes. high Shanahan was on Mac Jones as well. And he probably and he, could see him as a, a younger Jimmy G in that sense. That, that would no, be interesting too. It is. It's very, it's all very interesting right now. And so let's jump into these games, but I, I think it's something to keep an eye on for a team. I don't remember a team in my life that has been now considered a, a Super Bowl contender. And, a, you know, and a lot of people betting them, you know, especially in the, in the crazy NFC, but also just has so much turmoil about what they'll look like next year. Um, it's just, uh, it's really interesting what San Francisco is doing right now. A lot of question marks all revolving around the quarterback position. Go figure. Uh, all right, let's jump into the Thursday night game. The Cardinals at home against the saints, much higher scoring affair than, uh, most Thursday night games have been in recent. Needed it. That's for sure. Needed a big game like this. It was a pretty fun game to watch. Actually. It was quite entertaining. Andy Dalton got the start for the saints through 47 passes. Probably not ideal there, but he did toss four touchdowns and over 360 yards in this one. So Andy Dalton keeping the team in it. Um, you know, Cardinals jumping out to a big 28-14 halftime lead, and really it didn't even look that close, but 17 fourth quarter points from New Orleans kind of had them crawling back in this one and, and getting close. Uh, you know, injuries to James Conner, no Michael Thomas on the other side. Uh, so, you know, both uh, teams missing some skill position players. I mean, really, the Cardinals, I think, really needed this pretty bad. I mean, they've been kind of lambasted so far this year for just the the rough turmoil that they've gone through. Cliff Kingsbury questions about his job. Is he on the hot seat? Are they going to be able to, uh, you know, have a winning record, let alone, uh, you know, make the playoffs or, or anything of that nature after being, what, the last undefeated team in the NFL last year uh, to, to do what they were doing so far? Uh, you know, look, it, it is the Saints, uh, but nonetheless, to put up 42 points against a pretty decent Saints defense, uh, you know, you got to give the Cardinals credit here. Meanwhile, is there any rush to bring Jameis Winston back, really, if you're New Orleans? I know you lost the game, but Andy Dalton actually looked pretty decent in this game. So, Well, the problem I, I is, know. I mean, Andy looked decent. The numbers looked decent late because the Cardinals were a little checked out. In the Saints and he still three. threw three picks. Like he, yeah, he, it he, he's the reason amazing. they were down. Andy Dalton is fine for that three, two or three game stretch. And if he's not turning the ball over, but he turned the ball over, he put him in a big hole. And then, yeah, he, he compiled a lot of garbage time stats late in the, you know, late in the fourth. Um, I would absolutely go back to Jameis. If you're the saints, you have to, because the saints are rudderless right now. They're no man's land. They don't have a first round pick. So you have got to figure out if Jameis Winston's going to be your quarterback next year. So they, you you got to go back to him. I think he gives you the best chance still to hang around, and be competitive in that division. Otherwise, the Saints are right now are, are very very rudderless in a that no direction. And he just they, uh, I'd be I'd be pretty frustrated if I was a Saints fan. For the Cardinals, absolutely, it was a must win at home. Uh, I loved Kyler Murray. Calm the 
down to, to Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. That's the one thing I've questioned Kyler Murray on. Is he a leader? Is he vocal? Is he, he's kind of a, he's been a quiet reserve guy, kind of a bad body language guy. I love that fire and passion. I think him and Cliff Kingsbury can bring out the best in each other. If the relationship continues to grow in that way, I'm, I'm very pro that happening again, the GM, the coach and the quarterback all got long-term extensions. You have got to find a way to make this thing work. And so it's a good get up right win for the Cardinals for sure. Yeah. No question about that. DeAndre Hopkins back changes everything. That, that was, a, that's big to get him back for sure. Especially right in the midst of losing Marquise Brown for a significant period of time, bring in Robbie Anderson, uh, that wide receiver group uh, instantly looks just fine. Uh, as they are now three and four crawling back, trying to get back to 500 there. Uh, the Falcons at the Bengals, and this was the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase show that we were used to seeing uh, the second half of last season. On full display here today, the Bengals offense completely exploded. 481 passing yards for Joe Burrow, three touchdowns in this one. He also ran for one as well. And then, uh, you know, Tyler Boyd had a big game over 150 yards. Everything was clicking. This is why, you know, you can't ride the highs and lows. They looked so bad week one against the Steelers. Joe Burrow and, you know, five turnovers. Uh, And, yeah, it was the Falcons. I get it. Uh, But to put on a dominant performance like that against any NFL team uh, is a good sign of things moving in the right direction. So, overall, I, I thought that was encouraging from them. The Falcons have zero, like, Arthur Smith was trying to make it like, um, this is our identity, so it's not a big deal if we're only passing the ball eight times a game. But is it really your identity? Because they're not really running the ball terribly effectively as of late either. And, yes, they were winning games in the midst of it, but they're three and four now. I I think the Falcons need to probably figure out what they're going to do at the quarterback position sooner than later. I don't think Mariota can be the guy the rest of the season might as well figure out what Desmond Ritter can do because they're not pushing the ball downfield. You, you invested draft capital in Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and you're not using these guys at all. Like it, it just doesn't make sense to me from that aspect. Yeah. Again, I think part of it is this Falcons team knows I, I trust Arthur Smith. Yeah. You and know, I like I think, him too, by the way, I think, I think of the quote, from Mike Zimmer last year when they're like, why not uh, get a look at Kellen Mond? He's like, I see Kellen Mond in practice every day. You know what I mean? Like, so if, if, if it was, if they really thought Ritter could be the guy, then was there still plenty of time? It's only week seven, still plenty of time to figure out if Ritter can come on in eventually give him a spark. I think, I think this team, um, uh, you know, listen, they've already won three games. I predicted them to win about three or four games this year. Um, it, it's, it won't shock me if all of a sudden the, the Falcons look less and less feisty as the season goes on. And it's, and this maybe is kind of the starting of the, the losing, whatever, you know, the uh, uh, fight they had at the beginning of the season. Um, also defenses will catch up to things. Once you get enough on film of what they're doing with Mariota and all that. And with no Patterson still, yeah, you can figure them out pretty, pretty quickly. And yeah, they, they do have great young weapons, but I don't know if, them not getting used enough is, is it's certainly not them being bust. I think it's a lot of, listen, this Falcons team, I think in general knows they want to be in the top three or four picks in the draft and they want to have a chance to run and go get themselves uh, that, that kid who plays in that state uh, right next door 
uh, who has a Heisman Trophy in his on, in his in his closet. So, uh, anyways, uh, enough on the Falcons. The Bengals are. Um, I was the one who said it from day one uh, after that first Bengals loss. Like, go take your time with the Bengals. This was a team last year that lost to a bad Bears team at home early in the season. They they were shaky to start the season. This year, Joe Burrow literally had a massive appendectomy surgery, did not practice even, let alone play in the preseason for a lot of the of the training camp time. So the shaky start to me didn't worry, especially because the rest of the AFC North got off to a slow, muddy start. Um, the Bengals, to me right now, third best team uh, in the AFC, what, probably the fourth best team in the NFL. Their defense has not given up a touchdown in the second half. I know we've all heard that stat before. You need to say it again. It's an incredible stat. They've given up only 27 points in the second half, all field goals. Um, and Joe Burrow right now, um, I felt this way before the season started. He was top five quarterback right now with how bad Rodgers has played, how bad Brady has played. Um, I think he is without a doubt the third best quarterback in the NFL right now behind Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, he is uh, he's turned it on, found Boyd, found Chase, and the Bengals uh, right now. It wouldn't shock me if they start running away with the AFC North here. I know they have a tough schedule, but they can close out teams better than better than the Ravens right now. And Joe Burrow is playing with all the confidence Lamar Jackson had the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, and I mean they have a, a couple quick opportunities here against the Browns and Panthers yep. to start stacking. Uh, you know, before you know it, that could be a four-game winning streak going into Pittsburgh, and we all know that they could easily win that. Really, game, uh, so. really important for the for the Bengals to win those next two or even the next three. I mean, because again, the end the second half of their schedule gets brutal again, and that for them to create distance after the slow start. We'll know a lot more. We'll feel a lot more comfortable about the Bengals um, after that Pittsburgh game of like, okay, what's their trajectory going to be? Can they keep beating up on these bad teams in this stretch they've had? Absolutely. Uh, the Lions go on the road at the Cowboys. Dallas, uh, a get-right game, if you will, after losing to Philadelphia last week to break up their win streak. Uh, they get Dak back and, uh, and put up 24 uh, against the – league's worst defense so it wasn't exactly the most inspiring offensive performance but I think this is kind of what they needed like Dak to just kind of like maybe get back in the rhythm of things a little bit here um didn't have to knock the doors off anyone didn't have to feel terribly tested I mean they held Detroit scoreless in the entire second half so Dallas felt comfortable and were able to ease Dak back into the game uh the running game took care of business primarily with Zeke and Tony Pollard, even though Zeke did injure his knee in this game, it appears he's probably going to be okay. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, really, that was kind of the uh, the telling sign. Dallas able to to continue running the football, and maybe that this was kind of the conversation mark that came out with Cooper Rush was okay. Well, they're winning games a lot because they're leaning into their talents with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott instead of relying so heavily on Dak yeah they did the same in this game and and get a win again maybe this is a sign of they're they're going to try and balance things out a little bit more hopefully that's the case because it, it has been working for Dallas so far yeah absolutely listen you know if I'm a Cowboys fan you know Dak's going to be your starting quarterback but you also deep down know that you want to just win games like you want to make the playoffs you want to give yourself a chance and I trust Dak in the postseason to make some big throws. Like I, 
I trust Dak a little bit more than I trust Kirk Cousins. I put him right up there with, uh, you know, trusting Jimmy G. I trust him a little bit more than Jimmy G to make the right throws, the big plays. So with Dak, I know you're paying him like he needs to be Joe Burrow or in that category, but that's not your fault as a fan, right? Like it's like, that's your, that's your owner's fault. That's your organization's fault. So I'm pumped if I'm a Cowboys fan, see Dak come back and for them to play the way they play with Cooper Rush. That is what you need to do to help you get to the playoffs and win some games maybe in the playoffs. And then you hope Dak can rise the occasion, make some big throws. And who knows, Dallas all of a sudden could be in an NFC championship game. For the for the Cowboys, um, feels good at home. That's a cool off, right? The media was ready to explode with what New England's dealing with this morning is, oh my God, Dak comes back and he was bad. And now we have quarterback controversy. So that really calmed the waters on the pond, right? So that, that's got to be good. And, and I would feel good about that if I'm in the Cowboys organization as well. And for the Lions, man, I love Dan Campbell and I love the Lions. I just, I, I want, I, they, they just, they're, they remind me of, of my Bears a little bit. They're just three or four playmakers away on each side of the ball to being like, oh man, the, they have the tenacity, they have the will, they have the passion. You know, Dan Campbell gives all of that. But schematically, at times I question them, and then they it, it just they're missing one or two more big impact players on defense, another edge rusher to help out Hutchison, and you know, and a and a an all world uh all world safety or or linebacker to help call that defense. And then on offense, another interior offensive lineman plus, you know, a a, a wide receiver is more of a big physical body. You know, and, and once they get St. Brown back, who's a little more uh, in the digs category of body type, maybe finding another just, you know, big physical presence to help them on, you know, short third downs, just con- to convert. Um, and Jared Goff's got to play better. Again, Jared Goff's one of those quarterbacks. He can, he's flying under the radar a little bit, but the more and more the Lions are close to the top of the draft, the more and more uh, Jared Goff puts his own job in jeopardy. Um, so, you know, he's got to, um, uh, he's got to play better. So uh, a bummer for my Lions, who doesn't look like they're going to win more games than the Vikings, like I predicted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, before we continue, uh, four teams on a bye this week, the Buffalo Bills, Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles, and the LA Rams. Let's go to the Colts at the Titans. Whew, what a rough, rough outing there for Indy and Matt Ryan specifically. Uh, held scoreless in the first half. And uh, only able to put up 10 in the second half, and it wasn't enough, really. I mean, it was a low-scoring game. Both teams were in it throughout. Uh, but the Titans win 19-10. to And Matt Ryan, officially after the game, Frank Reich, benching the 37-year-old veteran and uh, that they just acquired um, for in and favor of – paying a lot uh, of money this year and next year. And next year as well. Some guaranteed money coming his way next year for Sam Howell and – Yes, Matt Ryan did injure his shoulder, um, but that appears by all the reports that this would happen regardless. Um, his play has been atrocious. He has five games this year of a with a passer rating under 85. He leads the league with nine picks, just nine touchdowns to match it. Terrible production for Matt Ryan. The, the Colts, we expected to be a pretty solid offense. I wonder if Sam Ellinger, who I believe is entering his, this is his third year? 
in the no, league. No, second. He's uh, in the second draft year. class. He's in the draft class with Fields and all them. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so second year in the league. Hopefully he can get them something. It can't be much worse than what they've gotten with Matt Ryan so far this year. He's mobile. So let's let's start with the – congrats to the AFC South tight, uh, uh, champion Titans again. Yeah, the Titans are winning. No, I mean, listen, the Titans started off really badly this year, and they've done – like, the Titans are – listen, we know their limitations. They are um, They are really well coached, and they have a really strong identity, and they're leaning back into that identity – and I think I think Tannehill knows that his only way of keeping the starting job next year is to continue to lean into that identity that you are the best person at handing the ball off to Derrick Henry and hitting the big plays when they're available. And uh, he got beat up a little bit here in, the, in this game as well. But the Titans um, can certainly, you know, shock someone maybe in the playoffs and and, you know, they'll have a home playoff game. So I think uh, there's a good good vibes in Tennessee right now, and so I want to I want to start with that. And with Indy, let's be honest, I think there's a lot happening behind the scenes with this move. From what I was been reading and hearing over the last 24 hours of the Matt Ryan move is that there was the thought in the organization was exactly what we talked about in the summer. They brought Matt Ryan in to be a two to three year stopgap while they won games. Thought they could be really competitive, maybe even steal, you know, a Super Bowl trophy with a really great roster, and and it gives them time to figure out the quarterback, the future of their quarterback position, and develop. Problem is, within the first couple of weeks, it's it's become so apparent. Matt Ryan, thirty-seven. You got to remember, Tom Brady has ruined this narrative in a lot of ways. Aaron Rodgers is doing it as well, playing as well as he has at thirty-eight, thirty-nine. I mean, he's 37. I mean, the age 10, 15 years ago in the NFL, 37, 38 is when you fall off the cliff. I mean, the cliff. And he has fallen off the proverbial cliff. And it's just done. It's over. And if I'm Matt Ryan, I would um, I would say to Indianapolis, um, if there's an opportunity to trade me, I would love for you to take it so I could try to start and keep playing. If that's what, if, I, if that's what I'm Matt Ryan, or if you're Matt Ryan and you want to collect those checks this year and next year, get to pay a lot of money to help groom the next young quarterback. You want to be a good teammate in that way. I think there's nothing wrong with that. And, and winding out your career that way. I mean, Matt Ryan hall of very good. And, uh, and you know, it's been a heck of a career, hell of a career MVP. Um, but it's done. I mean, he's, he's dead. And so this move to Ellinger, I think there's, Peeling back the curtain, a couple things. Jim Mersey is a volatile owner, and Jim Mersey is the type of guy who's not afraid to call his head coach and GM and say, I'm going to fire all of you by the end of the season if you don't write this ship ASAP. And I could also see Jim Mersey being the guy who says, I owe nothing to Matt Ryan. I don't care. 12 million bucks is nothing to me. I'll pay him whatever the hell he wants, but I want to see this kid Ellinger play who was electric in the preseason at times for Texas looked like he'd be a Heisman trophy candidate at small, fast, mobile, uh, lively arm can certainly make the NFL throws. And, and you're a- I absolutely think this Colts team will move the ball more efficiently and be more fun to watch with Sam Ellinger the rest of the season. And I'll, I'll add this to it. Frank Reich, I think knows now his job is to prove to the ownership that, 
I am the guy to groom the next quarterback. You just got to find me the next young quarterback. And so if he can do that with Ellinger, um, that's going to be uh, that that's everything for him right now. And if you're a Colts fan, you've got to feel uh, I, I kind of good about this because if you're a Colts fan, part of you must want just like a clean slate. I would just like fire everyone, clean it out. Let's rebuild. This is a disaster. The other part of me says, well, wait a minute. There are still some really good pieces on this roster. Our division is certainly not running away from us this year and next year. Um, I need to figure out if this head coach can be the head coach of our new quarterback, which we think he can. We're both Frank Reich fans, so it's an interesting move. I'll say this. I think Colts games are more interesting now the rest of the year. I would agree. A little more electric, and uh, let's see Michael Pittman get a little bit more involved. Alec Pierce and uh, Jonathan Taylor, maybe he can start get, to get going after a slow start this year as well. They are still 3-3-1, three, three and one, so it's not, you know, through the midst of all of this, it has felt like they haven't won a game. Uh, they're 500 and really, you know, a half a game out of first place in the division. Uh, all is not lost there in Indy. Packers, however, go on the road at Washington, and things are starting to look real bleak for Green Bay because really, Mark, I don't think we've seen a single dominant effort from the green Bay offense outside of uh, you know, maybe one game where Aaron Jones, you know, put the team on his back and, uh, and uh, AJ Dillon as well, probably the game against the bears really uh, that were, they were most effective, but Packers offense just is looking more dreadful uh, by the game and Washington with Taylor Heineke at the helm pulls out the upset victory at home. 23-21, yes, it was a very close game, um, but I re- I actually think, you know, it's so sad. I feel, you got to feel bad for Carson Wentz sometimes, right? It's like the Taylor Heineke comes in and then gives a spark to the offense and they beat the Green Bay Packers. Like, it's just, you know, Carson is probably the better quarterback, clearly, in terms of talent, um, but it's just, you know, of course this would happen to him. Listen, I agree he's the better quarterback with talent, but the Washington football uh, commanders are a better football team with Taylor Heineke, the quarterback, because, and again, it's a similar, it's a kind of an argument with Jameis in new Orleans and, and Heineke being Dalton is like, sometimes I would just rather the guy who's less talented, but will run the offense. At least he'll run the offense. And then you hope you get a good special teams play and your defense can play inspired and you win games. Uh, And that's what we saw. The Packers are abysmal right now. And the Packers fans have every right to just be furious um, 12 total carries for 38 yards between Jones and Dylan is pathetic. I mean, and it was never, this game was never out of hand to where you wouldn't be running the ball consistently. You, Matt LaFleur comes from the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan tree of dynamic running of the football. Look at what the bears did on Monday night. They decided to finally let Luke Getzey. We're going to call runs with our quarterback. We're going to, we're going to di- use dynamic run plays and the and the Packers can do it. That's what would drive me crazy as a as a Packers fan. You mentioned against the Bears, they carried the ball 38 times, 203 yards. And then and 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 now we get 12 carries for 38 yards. I mean, it's it's uh I don't know what the hell's going on in Green Bay, but I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. Uh they're a mess. They have the Bills Sunday night football in Buffalo. They, do you know they're going to play more inspired? You would hope. 
but you but could see a blowout. I also could see Aaron taking this opportunity to get blown out national TV while playing well to force the, his GM's hand at the, the trade deadline. I mean, Aaron, I think what the most important thing to Aaron right now is getting a wide receiver or two traded for. I honestly believe that's the most important thing if you could choose serum Aaron Rodgers. So would it shock me if the guy who is so checked out, terrible body language and a horrible leader, uh, let his team get embarrassed on Sunday night football in the hopes that they would call Pittsburgh, call Denver, and uh, and whoever else and and make offers to go out and get a big weapon the, the nfc you can the packers even if they fall to three and five at a blowout loss against the bills they can still easily beat the rest of the teams in the division uh to get the division win or at least a wild card uh and ride it by the end of the season but they got to get right because they were they were pathetic and for the commanders they're not out of it. I mean, they are not out of it, especially, especially I think with Taylor Heineke at the command. Yeah. What the heck is going on with the NFC East, man? It's, uh, it's starting to look like the NFC East of the early 2010s. Like my goodness. It's, um, I don't trust any of them to be Super Bowl contenders as you'll learn with the, with the Super Bowl plane, but yeah, they're all not even Philly. Well, Philly, no Philly. I apologize that Philly, but, but they, the other three teams, Dallas, Washington, New York are all playing really great football right now, winning yeah, football. Yeah. yeah, they're finding ways to win, and that's all you can ask for, no question. Uh, Buccaneers on the road at the Panthers. Huge, huge win here for Carolina, 21-3 to over the Bucs. So two duds back-to-back weeks against the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Carolina Panthers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, no touchdowns in this one, despite 49 pass attempts. Things are falling apart at the seams here. Uh, a relatively healthy Bucks team has not looked much better uh, outside of, you know, the tight end position. Everything else has been in place for this group. Uh, you know, Carolina's defense kind of showed that they're, they're pretty solid. Um, but more than that, man, PJ Walker coming in, leading the way. Have they had the quarterback all along just sitting there waiting to get his shot? Probably not but he is their best quarterback right now in the roster. There's no question about me. He's playing some good football, former XFL star. Um, so PJ Walker getting it done for them. Three uh, touchdowns in the second, third and fourth quarters, respectively. Um, look, Panthers aren't going to win many games this year. I think it was a good one to get after the trades and exhale in the room type of thing to say, Hey, we're all right. And uh, and for Steve Wilkes too, the interim coach, just to show that he's got some chops because he's coaching for a potential job here as well. Who's to say that he doesn't get hired to be their coach next year? A lot in play here. I thought this said a lot about Carolina, and for the Bucks, I think I I personally think it's like panic mode. Like their only saving grace is the division, so they're probably still going to win the division. I can't see this Bucks team right now. The way they're playing winning a playoff game to be honest with you no they're i mean they're a disaster and um i've never i mean it's weird because brady when you watch the game it does not look like tom brady is falling off the cliff like we talked about matt ryan i mean he had mike evans he dropped a ball for a sure touchdown and it just seemed like they just couldn't get going after that and it seems like they all hate each other honestly i mean it li- like it's just a team that seems like everyone's on edge because mom's upset you know what i mean like Tom is mom and she's dictating how the family is. And everyone's like, Oh, uh, this is awkward. I don't really want to be here right now. 
the dude is uh, losing his wife and it's like going cuckoo a little bit. I don't think Tom has physically lost it. I think mentally he's lost it a little bit. Honestly, there's something going on and he doesn't have control of the team. And I don't know if he knows how to get it back. And it's not a good look for Todd Bowles. I love Todd Bowles. Everyone, everyone's so high on him as a human being, but it's a bad look as a coach. I mean, even Bruce Arians with the dysfunction of Antonio Brown and everything last year, like had this team and Todd just focused on the defense and the defense was great. Now the defense sucks, even though it started off great. Um, it's not a good resume builder for Todd Bowles who's a great head coach. You, And it's no shame in saying you're an all-time great coordinator and you're great at being a coordinator. And I, and it starting to feel a little bit like, Oh, this is not, it's not a great look for Todd. Anyways, I'll, I, I digress. I, I think um, I will say this for Carolina I, for Tampa. It is panic mode, but again, until they actually are like three and six or three and seven, I, I wouldn't, I, I'm, I'm going to just take it easy. They should still win their division. I trust. I will put blind trust that Tom Brady will get it figured out, but right now it's bad and they deserve criticism for Carolina. I'm the only one who thinks maybe that was the worst win in, in their history of the franchise. You just went all in on the, I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm being facetious here a little bit. I, I get what you're saying. It's good for the locker room, the guys in the locker room, because now they're going to lose a lot of games probably. And great for Steve Wilkes and PJ Walker. But if you're the owner, David Tepper, and you're like, all right, we're doing this. We're tanking. We're going all in. We just traded our the 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 guy who sells the most jerseys and all this stuff. And then you come out and you win that game. David Tepper's probably got to be in the back of his mind driving home like, oh, because you like the goal now, the only goal that matters for the Carolina Panthers is to control your destiny, to choose. Do not let Houston choose your quarterback for you. Choose your quarterback. Get the choice. And um, and so We'll see if that ends up biting him in the butt in the end. But right now, if you're a fan of the Panthers, it always does. I mean, beating, beating up your new division rival and seeing them in a little bit of turmoil, it does feel good. But it's a bad win in the long term. Fair point. Fair point. I'll take it. Um, Giants at the Jaguars. Uh, 23-17 win for New York. This was a really entertaining game as well. I thought Trevor Lawrence played really well. Um, I thought Daniel Jones played well. Travis Etienne was finally unleashed. Uh, in this game, fully uh, got a heavy workload in this one, had some huge plays. Uh, this one coming down to the wire, the Jaguars driving to, to hopefully um, tie this up and then win it with the extra point. And Trevor Lawrence's pass to Christian Kirk is literally caught at the half-yard marker. And uh, Giants defense comes up with a huge stop as time expires and uh, escape with the win. It was a great team win for the Giants. And Brian Dable continues to show that, you know, if you get him the quarterback, good God, what could this team do? Uh, and and I personally think too, you know, maybe we're we're seeing this is this is a win win for Daniel Jones as well because even if he's not the Giants' quarterback of the future, he is putting out the tape right now necessary to show some other team if you want to take a chance and and give me an opportunity to start. This is what it looks like. Now, probably won't look that way because Brian Dable is the only guy that's been able to get this out of them. But, uh, you know, they're winning games. The Giants, the New York football Giants in the year 2022 are 6-1 and one right now. It, listen, you have right now, if the Giants make the playoffs, you've got to bring Daniel Jones back. Like, you have to. Yeah, you, could go out, you, could 
You can draft a guy, but just grab you, – you honestly need to have an honest conversation. If things keep going this way and the Giants end up with 10, 11 wins, maybe win a playoff game or get to the playoffs, and Daniel Jones keeps going the way he's going, you, you've got to have a real conversation with him and saying you're technically a free agent, but we will sign you to a two-year – 30 million, 30, $40 million deal. You know what I mean? With maybe 20 guaranteed. And like you find the contract that works, be like, just come back here and like, we'll give it another chance. I mean, I don't know how you don't at this point feel like that's where it's headed. They're not going to be picking high enough unless they're Broncos. I mean, who did they get? Who's the, the, I think they have another first round pick from someone. Maybe not. Cause that was the bears last year. Yeah. I'll double check right now while you, but Josh Allen Brian Dable is single-handedly responsible for showing the Bills and Josh Allen how to become the Josh Allen he is today. He molded Josh Allen into Josh Allen. Josh Allen is listed at 6'5", 237. Remember that. 6'5", 237. Daniel Jones is listed at 6'5", 230. Now, Daniel Jones is not as a freak of an athlete as Josh, Josh Allen. But Daniel Jones, so far this year, has thrown for over 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, only two interceptions. And the dude has rushed for over 298 yards. No, two, 343 yards and three touchdowns. I mean... He, he has run. more yards and more yards per carry than uh, Najee Harris this year. Yeah, I mean, he is, he's turning Daniel Jones. And if you're Daniel Jones, I, 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 I wish so hard I could, I could just have five minutes in a room with Daniel Jones and be like, dude, take whatever offer the Giants give you. Stay the starting quarterback for the Giants as long as you can. Baker Mayfield, a year ago, uh, 14 months ago, last offseason, before the start of last season, was offered a five-year, $110 million deal from the Browns. But he thought it was insulting because everyone else was getting nearly $200 million. And he said no. And now the dude is done. His career's over. Now, his career may still have been over a year and a half later, but he would have had a ton of more money locked up, generational wealth, $50, $60 million guaranteed, whatever they were offering him. Daniel Jones, I- I'm telling you, the Giants – if he keeps doing this, they will be forced to offer him some sort of deal. Now, unless some other team is willing to offer him way more money, then yeah, go get the money somewhere else because it's about getting some sort of bag and securing it. But if you want to have a longer career, signs are starting to point to like Brian Dable found in Daniel Jones. Hey, this guy's just kind of like the B version of Josh, Josh Allen doesn't have the arm. Not he's not gonna leap over people, but he's 6'5, 230, a little bit smaller, but the dude can run in a straight line and he's he can take hits. I mean, when has Daniel Jones been like seriously injured from all the hits he's taken this year? Not really. He had the concussion and Tyrod Taylor came in, but then he went back in. I don't know. I, I I'm I'm the Giants, I predicted them to win that game. I felt good about that. Trevor Lawrence still up and down, but I thought played well. Travis Etienne time with the James Robinson trade. Do you want to talk about that now or do you want to wait Absolutely. till we get to the Jets? Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a good time, good time to to touch on that. James Robinson Robinson being dealt to the Jets after uh after Brees Hall, the lightning stud rookie running back, 
uh, went down with an ACL and a meniscus. So he's done for the year. So James Robinson, of course, the uh, the great 2020 story of the undrafted rookie, first ever to rush for 1,000 yards this rookie season. Um, and then, uh, you know, had a couple uh, nice years. But with Travis Etienne in the fold this year, they have slowly weaned James Robinson off the touches. So he gets sent to the Jets for a sixth-round pick. That could be a fifth. Great deal for the Jets. I mean, he's a young guy. He's entering um, his the final year of his rookie deal, and they'll have an opportunity to retain him. Meanwhile, the Jaguars, who are ready to use their first-round pick in Travis Etienne, have room to do so and uh, and get some draft capital out of it. I think that this was a pretty pretty much a win-win across the board. Win-win. Great, great. It, it sucks for Brees Hall. He was on his way to maybe being the offensive rookie of the year. Um, but a great win. And, and for the jets, I love it because it shows the jets are like, Hey, we're winning games right now. We don't want to stop winning games. Let's go get a guy for not paying, not paying too much. You know, you're going to be without Brees maybe until the middle of next year, you know, uh, a halfway point of next year or, you know, out around Christmas time of next year, James Robinson is a starting running back in the NFL. And, uh, and he does, he gets a great chance to uh, be the lead guy. And uh, Travis Etienne gets a chance to be his lead guy. It's a win-win all around. Absolutely. And we'll see. Yeah, James, uh, Travis Etienne uh, might very well be on uh, on the precipice of a huge breakout here uh, in the coming weeks, given his usage has been ramped up week after week. The Ravens eke out a victory against the Browns 23-20, to uh, really hanging on to their uh, hanging on to life there in that Eat. one. It, it was the the Nick Chubb show once again. The Ravens defense, uh, despite coming into the year looking really really good, and they they have looked good at times this year too, have had some holes here. And uh, obviously the Browns are going to be able to run on a lot of people. But yeah, I mean it was a close close game, twenty three to twenty. Uh, you know Jacoby Brissett has helped keep this team in it, but they just can't close at the end yeah. of games. And that's been the problem for Cleveland so far. They're two and five. You know, I was saying all along, if they can get to five and six, um, by the time week 11 rolls around, Deshaun Watson gets there, they'll be, they'll have a good chance to get themselves into a playoff spot. Uh, as the weeks Waiting. go on, I'm seeing that going less more, and less likely. It's going more the way I predicted where they would miss the playoffs and because they just, it's just too much. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, like Andy Dalton, Three, four games max, protect the football, and you can and he can really be great for your team. But asking Jacoby Brissett for eleven games right now, listen, he's finding Amari Cooper a lot. He's, I think, the if I was a Browns fan, I would just be like, thank the Lord, our defense kind of showed up finally. I mean, they've been so bad defensively, yeah, and then terrible. and then they did what they should be doing is just feed Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt when Nick Chubb needs a little Gatorade. And for the Ravens, listen, I don't want to overreact. It wasn't great. They found a way to win against a divisional opponent. Divisional game, especially in the AFC North, you know. They're tough. They're ugly. Never easy. So a divisional win's a divisional win. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not panicking even the Ravens yet, even though Lamar did not look great or play, play great particularly. Yeah, the Ravens running back injuries have come back to bite them yet again. Yep. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins going back on the IR after he was looking like he was going to come back. But then Gus Hedwards just simultaneously coming off of the pup list gets two touchdowns in this game. Maybe the Ravens can find some stability in this backfield here because that's going to be the way uh, that, that they need to go uh, to, to get wins in this one. By the way, it was National Tight Ends Day, and Mark Andrews, who's been on a tear 
was held. Zero catches. Zero catches for the number one target in the Ravens' offense. But, yeah, a win's a win. They'll take it for sure any way they can get it. The Jets go on the the road at the Broncos, the aforementioned Jets here with Brees Hall, who uh, rattled off a huge uh, 62-yard touchdown in this one, super fast out of Iowa State. He's going to be good for years to come, but obviously the injury real brutal for him. But they win 16-9 over the Denver Broncos, who did not start Russell Wilson, but rather Brett Rippon as Wilson now with this shoulder thing, uh, likely going to keep him out. Maybe the hamstring, I thought. It was the well, I heard it was a hamstring initially, and then there was something about him popping his his throwing shoulder. So no, you don't I'll, think Russell's I'll, playing I'll in London again, on yeah. Sunday? You don't think Russell's playing in London on Sunday? I don't think so. I think it's gonna be Brett Rippon uh show yet again uh coming up this week. But we'll see. I mean, obviously anything can happen. Um I haven't seen the latest report as of today in terms of practice participation. So that um, that that would certainly be telling, but the Broncos' offense uh, still just pretty much looked the same, <laughs> like yeah. it's been looking. I mean, real really lifeless. Uh, meanwhile, the Jets, you know, you got to give them, this wasn't a, a good win. It was a very ugly win. It was six total points scored in the second half. But Robert Sella, you know, give him credit. He's got his team playing pretty physical. The defense is playing a lot better, and uh, the offense is finding ways to 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 yeah. run through the ground game. Listen, if you're a Jets fan, you, you got to be a little cautious with your optimism because Zach Wilson, when you watched the Bears last night, Justin Fields was the probably the main reason the Bears won that game. He was great on third down, and he used his athleticism in ways that looked like only Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts can use their athleticism, right? And so with Zach Wilson, it feels a lot like the coaches – do not want to put the game in his hands at all. And that's a little, got to be a little concerning, but again, you're winning games. He's young. He's not even started 16 games yet. So I'm willing to keep giving it time. If I'm a Jets fan, you know how I feel. I'm already out on Zach Wilson. I just don't think it's going to work long-term, but it's got to feel good. It's a good win. It would be really bad for the Jets if they lost to backup Brett Rippon. And for the Denver Broncos, there may be no more team in the NFL, no other team in the NFL, this has been a much of a disaster, absolute, absolute disaster. I mean, it's worse than Green Bay Buccaneers. I would argue it's worse than all of those. I mean, it's, a, it's a disaster, absolute disaster. And I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, do you fire the guy after one year? Uh, how does that play in the locker room then if they like the guy and people don't like Russell? It, it, they're a mess and good luck. Uh, it's not going to get any easier. And the Broncos is going to be not a fun watch, but a fascinating story for the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, we need to see something from the head coach. I mean, you gotta, you have to have a moment or moments. I mean, even in Robert Sala's Rocky uh, first year last year, there were moments where you're like, okay, I can kind of see where he's going with this team. I, I get what he's trying to do. We saw it with Dan Campbell. There were moments, there were sparks. We'll talk about it in a moment. I think we saw that with Eberflus, especially this past week. Yep. Um, we have not seen that even come close uh, with Hackett so far this year. And uh, that is problematic. I wouldn't be too shy to, to move off of him because you got to, you got to get things right. And, and to, to just sit on your hands uh, can make things worse. Um, to your point, by the way, 
Uh, it was the hamstring that they said he was ruled out of the game for. However, he has been playing with some short, sort of shoulder harness. Okay. Um, so there, there there could be a secondary um, issue, but it seems the hamstring was the primary one. No practice report yet coming out today. So that'll be something we'll have to look for in the coming days for sure. Texans go on the road at the Raiders. Uh, Raiders needed a win like this, an 18-point victory, 38-20 to 20 over Houston to improve to two and four on the season. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs has really had a resurgent year in his career. Devonte Adams doing what he does best, catching a lot of passes for a lot of yards. Uh, and at the end of the day, really a total team win here. Raiders scoring 21 fourth quarter points uh, and, and allowing zero. That was the key to the game here is the Raiders had this, you know, late comeback victory, if you will, after Houston looked like they were going to take advantage in the third quarter uh overall i am still woefully unimpressed overall with the way the raiders have performed this year with josh mcdaniels i thought with getting Devonte adams with getting an offensive coach in here that it was a, a really good opportunity to take this offense to the next level maybe this is the turning point where we're going to start seeing that i certainly hope so um, but i'm tempering my expectations on that front and meanwhile davis mills is like he's just gonna be the guy that's like if they get the number one pick, they're taking a quarterback. But if they get like the number three or four pick, it's like, man, he's playing well enough yeah. to like to be like he's not atrocious. There's but still he's not a to... franchise yeah. guy. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I if I'm a Texans fan, I feel good because the Panthers won and my team right, showed yeah. like they've they showed what they need to show. They were feisty, but they lost. And if I'm a Raiders fan, I feel good because we won against a team that you circle at the beginning of the year you're supposed to beat. And also, I would disagree a little bit in the sense that I liked this game plan from Josh McDaniels. I mean, when Derek Carr's 20 of 27, that's really efficient. And you you pound Jacobs for 20, 20 plus carries, just around 20 carries, over 100 yards, three touchdowns. That to me looks like an old Patriot stat line. Brady, 20 of 27, a touchdown. They control the clock. James White has one of those weird days or like Garrett Blunt has one of those days where it's like get, they just hand it off to him because they exploit something in the in the defense and you just get out of there with an easy win. So uh, an under-the-radar game, but uh, it went exactly what it needed to go for both teams, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think we disagree there because I thought this was a great performance by Josh McDaniel. But I guess overall, yeah. saying over the year, yeah. I, I was tempering expectations. Well, their offensive like line sucks. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. And that's been an issue for him. So run the ball. When your offensive line sucks like the Bears, run the ball. Exactly. Open up some opportunities for the rest of your team. Seahawks on the road at the Chargers. Uh, 37-23 win. Geno Smith uh, doing his Dead thing again. Walker. But really, it was the Kenneth Walker show this time around. That kid's special. Uh, he is really, really good. And I hate to say it because you don't wish injury on anyone. But, like, the injury to Rashad Penny – might have been like one of those like blessings in disguise for not only Walker, but the Seahawks to like unleash this rookie phenom uh, instead of feeling beholden to getting Rashad Penny his touches. Yeah. This guy is special. He's an absolute stud. He's going to be good for years to come. And uh, you know, the chargers uh reeling a little bit here. I mean, they're the division's not maybe as good as we thought it was going to be, but the chargers don't have much room for error here. And uh, this wasn't, uh, a terribly inspiring it's been a couple of rough justin herbert outings i would say over the past couple of weeks he's thrown the ball 51 times it's too much it's just too much. too much and justin herbert we love him he's great but there's a reason why we don't talk about him the way we talk about Allen. 
the way I talk about Burrow, the way we talk about Mahomes right now is because he just um, it doesn't seem to always have the the fastball's too fast sometimes. The slow ball, the, the slow ball is non-existent in times. Uh, you know, the curveball, I guess, is the better term for it. And Brandon Staley is a dead man walking right now. I mean, you can't losing at home to a Seahawks team. I know you're beat up, you're injured. J.C. Jackson, all these, uh, you know, no Keenan Allen. I'll give them until Keenan Allen gets, you know, uh, back healthy. I mean, he's there, but he wasn't Keenan Allen. Only two receptions, eleven yards. Um, they're they're in. They're in some trouble. Brandon Saley could be a dead man walking because you know that Herbert's the guy and you do have talent, but you got to have a better offensive game plan than that. You can't let your, your, your quarterback throw 51 times and expect to win the game and not be able to run the ball between the tackles. I know they're missing Slater and a lot of injuries for the chargers, but it just doesn't look like the game plans are, are going together. And Geno Smith quickly, I'll just say this. He is the him and Daniel Jones. I put him in the same category. He's doing exactly what Daniel Jones is doing for his career. If you're Geno Smith at the end of the year, and you got to go right back to your to the Seattle Seahawks and be like, I'll I will stay with you, and let me start next year. Even if you draft a guy, make that guy take that position away from you, because uh, it's the best thing going for your career right now. Unless someone else is stupid enough to offer you a boat ton of money, then take it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, and it doesn't get much easier for this offense or defense because J.C. Jackson yep. ruptured his patellar tendon. He's out for the season. That That's a potentially career-threatening injury. And yep. Mike Williams out for an extended period of time with a high ankle sprain. So, uh, man, Chargers just get bit by the injury bug every year, it seems. The Chiefs put on offensive explosion uh, against the 49ers with uh, Christian McCaffrey in limited capacity there for San Fran. But this was all Patrick Mahomes and really Juju Smith-Schuster, a really big game for him in this one yeah. too. This, this is just, you know, Mikko Harmon with his three touchdowns. This is the this is why I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I think they're better than the Bills, to be quite honest with you. And I, I'm not saying the Bills, that's that far of a difference. But I just think, the Chiefs can always just seem to rise to the occasion. Like I don't, I don't see down moments from them this year so far. Last year there were a couple moments where it was like, man, Mahomes is going through these waves. I don't think we've really seen that so much this year. Now it's still early, and we can. But this was a good 49ers defense and a good 49ers team, and they beat them by 21 points. I, the Chiefs are my, are still my favorite to win the Super Bowl, and that's not a, a bold statement by any means, but. Um, Mahomes put the team on his back in this one. Well, I don't really want to talk about the Niners. We talked a ton about them at the beginning. I'll just say this. I, I still think the Niners are going to be right there in the end in that division. It's so muddied right now. No one's running away with it. So we'll give them time to integrate McCaffrey and we'll, we'll check in back with them next week for the chiefs. I mean, listen, they, they lost to the bills at home and Mahomes had a bad interception. So I disagree with you a little bit. I, I do agree. The chiefs are to me, the second best team in the NFL, um, and and I think they're very, very good, and they can beat anyone at any time on any field. I don't doubt that at all. Uh, this was a great win. I think the reason why they were so motivated and played so cleanly is because they just came off a bad loss at home. Not a bad loss, but a, a game they wanted to win at home. They came out focused. Matt Mahomes has this part of Brady in him. Their games are very different, but he has that part where you know when Mahomes is ticked off and Mahomes is hyper-focused. He has that intensity 
that I don't know if Josh Allen has. Josh Allen's kind of a big, happy-go-lucky guy. He gets fired up, but Mahomes has like a anger intensity to him, and uh, that can manifest itself in the scoring drives that they just they destroyed a great San Francisco defense. Good win for the Chiefs. I would just argue that Mahomes had a bad moment, but I wouldn't say it was a bad game overall. Uh, like I haven't seen, yeah, a, I haven't man. seen a rough performance from him this year. But you're not. I said bad that. pick. I don't think I said bad game. Yeah, yeah no, you did. Yeah. I was just reiterating my point was that gotcha. I haven't seen the uh, the full performances, um, you know, go down. The Dolphins uh, host the Steelers for Sunday Night Football. Um, I I mean, maybe it was just being a Steelers fan. I actually thought it was a pretty entertaining game. Yeah. Despite it being a low-scoring 16-10 to 10 win for Miami, uh, there were four dropped interceptions by Pittsburgh in this game, and uh, Miami got three, including the – uh, opportunity for Kenny Pickett and company to win the game in the final waning seconds. A, a full field drive at the end ends with an interception right at the goal line on a really bad throw. Um, you know, my quick takeaway, I know we're kind of, you know, running low on time, so kind of just hit this real quick. Um, this is 100% what we expected. I am not, yep. I'm not taking anything from this game really other than, Kenny had some moments where he looked really good. And I was encouraged by that. And then he had some rookie moments, uh, like at the end there, where he could have just tucked it and ran, uh, made Should've some of those decisions that you expect him, uh, expect someone to make that's in that quarterback position. So, uh, look, they're two and five. Uh, I said from the beginning, I want to just watch Kenny Pickett develop this year, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, if they somehow win next week at the Eagles, then they're still really uh, at that point uh, only about a game and a half out from the division and still somehow with some life as well for the season to boot. But right now I'm just looking for Kenny to improve. I think he will. And I was encouraged by some throws he made in that game. Excuse me. Meanwhile, the Dolphins, um, I thought Pittsburgh's defense played them really well there. Maybe they kind of uh, showed the NFL some ways to really maintain Tyree Kill and Jalen Wild because they really kept them in check for most of this game, forced them to run the run the football, death by a thousand paper cuts, and uh, that gives you more opportunities for Tua to make a miscue yep. or just for your defense to get a stop. And so they did that here. Um, so overall, uh, slightly encouraged, uh, but it was a good win for the Dolphins. They needed to get a win like that, um, you know, at home and improved to, to four and three, keep pace in the AFC East thing. Dolphins are 4-0 when Tua starts and plays the whole game. And so uh, uh, they absolutely um, got right with this win at home against a feisty Steelers team that, hey, credit to the, the young quarterback pick at the rookie. He had them there. He had his chance to put a game-winning you know drive together, and he made some mistakes. He's more mobile than I thought, kind of straight-line speed guy. And so I, I would encourage the um, – Steelers to, hey, tell him, you know what? Use your legs a little bit more if you're unsure right now. Just keep the ball, keep the chains moving, and uh, a great win for the Dolphins on Sunday night at home. Uh, they are, they're in a good spot right now to be in, in the picture and be in the playoff race for sure. Yeah, Dolphins just got to stay healthy with all of those weapons, and they're going to be just fine. Let's get to uh, Monday night football with your Chicago Bears putting on a hurt on the New England Patriots, 33-14. to 14, Absolutely dominant performance Great here. Great Patriots did that weird thing where we're starting Mac Jones, and then after a couple series, Mac Jones throws an interception, and coincidentally, that wasn't the reason that he got benched for Bailey Zappi. I believe it. Uh, of course, there were reports coming in that both quarterbacks were going to play at some point, uh, but Bill Belichick obviously using that as an excuse to say, 
yeah, that was going to happen all along. Uh, very interesting, weird kind of situation there. But really, this was all about Justin Fields. He, it, the, the game was won because of Justin Fields and the Bears defense. Like, so Justin actually won the game yep. for the team. And I thought, I think as a Bears fan, that's got to be super encouraging there. The receiving core was in the right spots and they made plays. That was encouraging. Um, third down, they were 11 of 18 on third down. They kept the ball moving. Justin feels the design runs he even said in the postgame conference, like, I love these design runs. They're putting things together. It looked like the Bills two years ago. I mean, it looked like a, a younger Josh Allen where it's like, this dude, it, there's sometimes the ball comes out of his hands. You're like, whoa. And then there's sometimes the ball comes out of his hands. You're like, ugh. And then there's just times where you're just like, the dude is magic. They 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 love the changes they made to the interior of the offensive line. And then uh, the center gets hurt. And they have to go back uh, to Mustafer. Mustafer is trash. You need, they need, they need, like I said, I don't need to waste time on talking about the lack of personnel. But I think overall, you're starting to see a team, if this can be their identity, this team can be feisty. This team could st- steal some more wins and, you know, maybe get to that 8-9 win mark that we predicted them to you know to kind of get to so very encouraging it was just great to watch them complete a football game I think the biggest moment of the game is when Zappy comes in we all knew he'd bring energy we didn't know bring that much energy all of a sudden it goes 10 nothing to 14 10 like that and what happened the Bears of a couple years ago would have unraveled disaster and they would have lost that game 28 to 10 you know what I mean but instead they put drives together. They converted on third down. They committed to running the football, zone runs, easy throws, big completions. Cole Komet made a great catch, and the Bears went down. They scored on that drive, 17-14, uh, and they never looked back. So it was it was very, very, very pleasing. I, I love the effort. Hopefully they can – I don't care if they lose to Dallas on Sunday. I mean, I do. I want them to win. But I want them to look like this team which was a well-coached, well-organized, good game plan team. If you lose and get out game plan, they have better players than you, fine. But don't lose because of you make stupid mistakes and and guys are in the wrong spot. So that's what I want to keep seeing from this Bears team. Be well-coached like they were uh, and, and making plays when you have the opportunity to make plays in a great game plan. And in the midst of all of this, hey, they're three and four. Not a bad place to be. They're way worse places to be for sure. Yep. All right. Well, we've got Halloween coming up, so hope everyone enjoys their Halloween weekend. We've got a special Halloween episode coming up, which is no. also a big milestone for the show. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have an exciting one coming up. Yes, it'll be a lot of fun for sure. But until then, have a great weekend, everyone. And this is the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan signing off. Mm-hmm.